Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. We have had a lot of exciting new things to share with you about the show recently, but this might be some of our biggest news yet. Death, Sex, and Money is officially going to be live in New York City at the Tribeca Festival on June 11th. And I want to personally invite you to the live taping we'll be doing with the legendary journalist Kara Swisher. If you know Kara's work, you know her ability to get people to tell her things is unmatched. And she does it in her signature, hard-charging way. She's not afraid of things getting a little combustible. I have a slightly different interview style, so we're going to talk about that and play around with that in experimental ways that I think will make this a special show unlike any of our other live shows up to this point. And it's not often that I get to do a live Death, Sex, and Money show in New York, so I really hope to see you there. Whether you're in the city, on the East Coast, or just been looking for a reason to visit New York City, come on June 11th for this show. You can get tickets now at TribecaFilm.com slash Death, Sex, Money. We are so excited to see you there. Hey, it's Anna. Before we get to our latest episode, I want to tell you about WNYC Studios' newest podcast called 10 Things That Scare Me. You know, this thing kept me up till 2 o'clock last night because you're asking me for 10 fears. It's a show where people reveal their greatest fears. Like methamphetamines. I'll never find love. It's 25 years later, and I haven't done anything what I really want to do. Each episode is about five minutes long. And it turns out listening to other people talk about their fears is actually kind of meditative. I fear the drunk violence. How can I not? I'm from the border. My sister's boyfriend was held at gunpoint. My mother's neighbor, her child, age 15, disappeared. They don't know where he is. My cousin's wife was killed in a bombing at a casino. When you subscribe, you'll hear from all kinds of people, writers, performers, and artists, but also a woman who races dogs across Alaska, a wrestler. I'll give a couple claps here. A retired obituary writer. I said, oh my Lord, you're just like the children in the clubs. The 10 Things team interviewed me for the show, and here's a little bit of what came out. Number 10, not having enough money, um, in particular because I spent irresponsibly or because I didn't do a thing with my money that I was supposed to do. My money fear is really intense, and it it really, um, it's physical. I feel it. Anytime I have to spend, like, over a certain dollar amount, I get, I like, my breathing gets shallow and I get anxious. Like, I, this is a real thing that affects my life. Like, I, I have to have, like, a mantra. I have to say to myself, like, life costs money, Anna. Life costs money. Check out 10thingsthatscareme.org. I hope you'll listen and subscribe. Okay, here's our latest show. Hey. 
Hey, it's Annabelle Bacon, one of the producers here at Death, Sex, and Money. Last month, we asked you to tell us your stories about being laid off. And we heard from a lot of you, including a listener named Stephanie. Hey there, DSM team. Stephanie's 24 and works as an occupational therapist. And she sent us an email about her dad, Steve. He was laid off two years ago. My dad is in IT work, however, with decades of managerial experience, nearing retirement age, and no formal computer science degree, prospective job interviews have been few and far between. At first, my dad was hopeful to quickly get a new job, but as time passes, I can tell that he is losing hope. Stephanie and her dad have always been really close, and as he's been looking for work, they've talked about his job search together a lot. So this week, we're trying something a little different. Hey, Dad. Hi, Peanut. We asked them if they'd be willing to continue their conversation about work and let us record it. Steve was at their family home in Ohio, and Stephanie called him from North Carolina, where she lives. If we were just sitting, like, at home, just having this conversation, where do you think we would be in the house? Um, probably in our living room or maybe down in my office. Yeah, I would say the living room, or I would be sitting on the counter in the kitchen, and you'd be cooking something, because we all know Mom can burn water. That's very true. (laughs) But they're getting ready to sell that house, because Stephanie's mom has been the only earner in the family for the past couple of years, and the financial strain of living on a single paycheck is really starting to hit. Stephanie's pitched in to help pay bills a couple of times, but back when Steve first lost his job, she was just graduating from college and starting to look for work herself. So for a while, they were in the same boat. How did it feel when we were both applying for jobs? Uh, It felt very weird um, thinking that, okay, here's my daughter. She's starting out. She's finished school, and she's applying jobs, and here I am. Now we're both out there in the market competing against everybody else trying to find a job. And it was just not a position that I ever thought I would actually be in where we were both looking for work at the same time. So it's been a struggle because I am 61. Uh, A lot of people don't want to look at me. What's the spectrum of jobs that you've applied for, skilled or unskilled? Oh, I've, I've applied for a director of IT infrastructure or vice president of IT. And I've applied for working at the deli at our local Kroger's or being a cashier at Lowe's. And it makes it really depressing to sit here and look at, you know, things I know I can do and can do well, but know that people know how old I am and they're not going to even let me move outside of HR. Through this whole situation, I guess I would be lying if I said I didn't feel some sort of guilt. And it's not, it's nothing that you've ever said or done or any, but like looking back and thinking about, you know, going to private school and how much that costs, you know, K through high school and swimming, that's not a cheap sport, and moving away for a job. I would be lying if I didn't say that I do feel somewhat 
I guess a little bit guilty about having all those experiences, how that might have freed up money to not have you guys in that situation right now. Well, you shouldn't feel guilty because number one, it was never anything that you had a choice in. It was what your mom and I wanted to do and we had the money to do it. And, you know, you had to find a job where you could find a job and yes, it took you away, but you're still, you know, you need to, you need to start your life and have your life be the best it can be. So you've got nothing to feel guilty about and you shouldn't feel guilty. I know I shouldn't, but it doesn't, (laughs) doesn't change it, you know? Just acknowledging that. I know. How has the last um, two years affected you, and how has it changed you? Well, I think it's definitely stressed the importance of setting myself up for financial success. I don't really think I've always been super conscious of how much stuff costs. But another thing that the last two years has kind of taught me is I can't control everything. And by God, I really wish I could. And sometimes I just need to give up what I must and the only thing I can do is just pray about it and change my own actions, what I do have control over. Um, so, for example, you know, the decisions that I've made um, to get a two-bedroom apartment on the off chance that you're downsizing could mean you move here to North Carolina um, as a just-in-case backup plan. Um so I'm going to be there for you guys. Just like if the situation were reversed, you do the same thing for me. Well, but that's, that's true. It, I'm very proud of you and the way, the way you are, but at the same time, it makes me, feel bad and sad that I've put you in a position where you feel like you need to help take care of your mom and me. It does make me feel um, like I'm, I'm letting you and your mom down because I'm not doing the thing that a husband and father are supposed to do, and that is provide for their family. Well, I I can't change the way you feel. Nope. No, you can't. I I can't. (laughs) 
I wish I could, but I can't. You can't, and (laughs) it's something that is part of my DNA, part of my upbringing, and whether it's right or wrong, it's the way I am. And I know that's an ancient, old-fashioned way of thinking, but (laughs) I am an ancient, (laughs) old-fashioned guy. (laughs) Dad, you describing yourself as ancient, I don't think is going to help you on any job interviews. (laughs) Well, in an interview, I would not refer to myself as ancient. Okay, good. Thanks to Stephanie and Steve for having this conversation. If you want to tell your own story of being laid off, you can go to deathsexmoney.org slash laid off. We've also built a really cool text tool where you can get advice from other listeners who have lost a job. To see that, just text the words laid off to 70101. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.